scripture is Romans 1, or Romans 13, 1 through 7. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that wait, or those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to, um, to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for uh, your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an anger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be subject or subjection, uh, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Thank you, Amy. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. Now let's pray together. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have the magnificent privilege of gathering together with the people of God and declaring your glory and celebrating the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light giving praise to you, our Father, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, by your Holy Spirit. And Father, we pray as we open your word this morning that you would allow it to speak clearly to us and help us to not only understand, but to obey the things that we find there. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name and by the Spirit's power. Amen. Well, uh, this is a, a time of year for this text. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but I uh, got my W-2s this week. Um, I got, uh, I'm starting to get giving statements from the church and various ministries that I support. And uh, pretty soon, I'll have to sit down with Karen and do our taxes. Uh, or more accurately, she will do our taxes and I will help. Um, but uh, when you marry an accountant, you get some, some good benefits that way. Um, but uh, it is a good time to think about God and government and how we as Christians should think about it and what its role in society is and about how we should respond to our government. Um, do we have to, uh, what do we do with government after all, right? Do we have to obey it uh, as Christians? You know, we are members of a kingdom that is not of this world. So do we have to obey the ones that are? Uh, do we, uh, what about when the political party or parties that we don't like are in power? Do we have to obey them? What about when the people who are in power are people of low character uh, who we do not naturally respect? What do we, how do we respond then? By the way, I think that's every time we have an election. <laughs> okay. 
uh, wanting political power is probably a disqualification for having it, right? <laughs> but, um, but what do we do with that as Christians? Uh, what about, um, what's our attitude to be? How is a Christian supposed to relate to the government that is over him or over her? So, um, there are a lot of theories. Uh, if you read uh, political philosophy, there are a lot of theories about where government comes from. Uh, if you, if you re- read your uh, political philosophy and history, uh, you'll know that John Locke famously said that government derives its authority from where? The consent of the governed. Right? The consent of the government governed. In other words, that, that political power ultimately derives from the people and is invested in the people, and the people therefore have the right and the responsibility to set up governments as they wish, and when they no longer meet the, uh, the, the consent of the governed, they are rightfully overthrown, right? There was a little event back in uh, 1776 based on that idea, Right? That government derives its power from the consent of the governed. That's what John Locke said. Uh, Thomas Hobbes said that people form governments for protection uh, in the war of all against all that would otherwise result. You know, Thomas Hobbes uh, with the Leviathan said this. Uh, basically, the idea is that that um, that apart from government, it would be like the Walking Dead, right? And everybody's just kind of moving around from place to place, trying to avoid. Uh, the terrors of the world and uh, banding together uh, under some uh, local warlord for protection from all the others, right? And, uh, you know, there are some more recent guys. I like these guys. They, they, uh, they kind of scratch my cynical itches. Uh, and what they say is, you know, basically what happens is there's a local mobster uh, and he starts extracting protection money from everybody uh, to protect protection from him, but also protection from the other mobsters that are around. And then eventually, over time, that protection racket money becomes known as taxes. And then uh, he becomes known as the king, and we invest uh, the former mobster with nobility, and we call him the royal family, right? Um, I, like I say, in my more cynical moments, I'm fairly sympathetic to that idea, right? But The reality is that the Bible says something far different from all of these other political philosophers and ideas. The Bible says that government comes and has been instituted by God. That's what the Scripture says here. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. And therefore, Christians have to obey them. Do I like that? No, I don't. I'm a natural rebel, just like you. All right? It's in my DNA. I'm an American, right? Um, we fought a war to get rid of the king. I don't like that. But the Scripture says that the authorities that exist have been instituted by God. And that they derive their authority from Him. And if you, there, if you are a believer, therefore, you have no option but to submit 
to the government that rules over you. Now, are there some questions about that? Yes, there are. We'll get into that in a little bit. But let's hear what the Scripture says. And let's submit ourselves first to what the Lord says about His institution that He has set up. That the authority that exists comes from God and has been instituted by God. And Paul underlines the point in verse 2. What happens if you don't? What happens if you refuse? It says that whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will come under judgment. Will incur judgment. Well, who do they incur judgment from? From God. That you are fighting not just against your government, but against Him. And as, uh, as one of the guys I uh, grew up listening to used to say, your arms are too short to box Him. <laughs> right? Uh, you can't box God. He's got a longer reach than you. And you are going to come under God's judgment if you are a person who is rebellious against your government. The government isn't there simply because these guys or these women uh, rose to power through their cunning. Is that sometimes true? Yes. But they are there because God has put them in place for whatever reason. And God wants them in that place of power at this particular time and this particular place. And, and we need to know that as believers. That even in a representative democracy or, or more properly a federal republic like ours, it's God's will that is ultimately being done no matter who is in power. It's God who ultimately rules over. And sometimes God is allowing people to rise because He wants to bring blessing to a people. And sometimes He allows people to rise because He wants to discipline a people. But it is God's will that is being done by who rules. And what kind of authorities you have of whatever type come from God. That's the underlying principle in the text. And that we are to be good citizens and submit to the authorities no matter who it is that we have to submit to. Now, let me just back up here in case this is just setting off every alarm bell in your head. You need to understand the context of the book of Romans. Paul is writing this book at a time when Nero is the emperor over the Roman Empire. Now, whoever is in Washington, I'll assure you that Nero is a worse ruler than anybody that we're likely to get from whatever rogues gallery we got. All right? He is a worse ruler. This is a guy who literally dipped Christians in hot tar and lit them on fire as torches at his garden parties. This is a guy, this is a guy who fed them to lions in the Colosseum that Paul is saying, submit to the governing authorities. Submit to the governing authorities. According to the Scriptures, then, this is the principle that's in these two, first two verses, that the government is a divine institution which has to therefore be obeyed. And if government 
does derive from God, then what purpose does God intend for it to serve? Because whenever God creates something, He creates it purposefully with a, a role and a, and, a, and a function in mind. So what's the function of government? What's the role of government? Well, verses 3 and 4 tell us. As you look at it here, uh, the Scripture says that, that they are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad you want to have no fear of the one in authority then do what is good for you will receive uh, the approval of the government for he is God's servant for your good but if you do wrong be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain he is the servant of God an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer okay now again this is a place where it's important to remember the context of these verses uh, context is the verses that come before and the verses that come after. Well, if you go back to chapter 12, verse 19, you just flip over one page, uh, Paul told us last week, and we looked at this, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, uh, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And this, in the context of how do we respond to people when they do harm to us? How do they respond when we do, they do wrong to us? Do we go out uh, like, in, uh, like in some old western, gather the posse, and go get vengeance for ourselves? Right? I mean, one of my favorite movies of all time is True Grit, right? I love that movie. All right? They go hunt down the bad guys out in Indian country, and they get them. Right? But vengeance has a cost, even in that movie. It's a great movie. Um, but vengeance has a cost. And so, and, and God says, You leave it to me, and I will work out it. I will work out what happens to them. You don't have to take revenge for yourself. I will solve it for you, but you leave it to me. Well, have you ever wondered, how is it that God solves it? Well, one of the ways that he solves it ultimately is in Revelation chapter 20, everybody, small and great, stands before the great white throne. And God passes out judgment then. But also, many times, there's judgment in the here and now. And the, the agent of that, the one that God has appointed, is the government. So as an example, although it's often entertaining to watch a movie where somebody, you know, saddles up and uh, rides off after the bad guys is going to go enact their personal vendetta. In reality, God has set it up such that we don't take revenge for ourselves. So somebody attacks your wife unless they're in their unless they're in your house when it, and you're there with them when it happens, then you can shoot them. But but after, after that, okay, if they escape, then where is, then do you go after them? No. You don't go after them. You let the law deal with them. You let the law deal with them. Somebody commits murder, do we, do we have a blood feud? No. We let the law deal with them. Somebody steals or, or robs or kidnaps or whatever. Do we, do we uh, you know, turn into Liam Neeson and, and, and figure that out? No. We let the law deal with that. Because the law and the government is God's agent. 
They are His appointed, uh, as the Scripture says, avenger against those who do evil. That is many times how God's wrath is carried out in our world is through the agency He has appointed through the government. God's wrath against evil is carried out that way. And by the way, notice that it mentions the, the word sword. The sword. And there are some people who say that capital punishment is a terrible thing and that should never happen. That's not the biblical attitude. Some crimes are heinous enough that the government bears the sword for a reason. And they, as God's agent of justice, bring about that person's death. That is a biblical idea. That is part of the purpose, in fact, of government, is to take vendettas and revenge and blood feuds out of the equation and allow God's justice to function. Now, is human justice perfect? No. Is government perfect? No. Is the application of justice always perfectly applied? No. Government is still occupied by sinful, fallen, imperfect humans. Amen? No matter who is in it, it's always going to be occupied by sinful, imperfect, fallen humans. And so it's always going to be imperfect in this life. However, God has created this institution for the establishment of justice, for the punishment of those who do wrong, and for upholding and protecting those who do what is right. Because, you know, as a, as a famous analogy has it, right? You've got sheep, and that's the mass of most of us. And you've got wolves. And those are the bad guys that roam about through any society. You've got a certain number of those guys. And then what you need for the protection of the flock is some sheepdogs. And that's the government's function, to be the sheepdog. To protect the flock and kill the wolves. That's the job of government. To protect the flock and kill the wolves. And they are to put down evil in society. Because here's the reality. If there were no government, very, very soon, what you would have is um, whatever, you know, whatever, pick whatever post-apocalyptic nightmare movie you want to pick, right? Uh, you know, whether you're talking, you know, something like the Book of Eli, Mad Max, you know, uh, whatever, okay, uh, you know, Walking Dead, wh whatever you're into, right? Uh, whatever happens when government breaks down is that evil runs rampant. And the kind of people that rise to power are not good people. They are whoever the king of the jungle is locally. And that is a bad scene. And you watch that movie and you, or you watch that TV show and you do not think, you know, I'd like to live in that society. Right? I mean, Mad Max has got some cool cars. But apart from that, right? Um, no one thinks this is a good idea. And God doesn't think it's a good idea either. He has established governments to put down evil and to restrain the amount of evil that humans would otherwise get into if there were no one holding back the tide. And that's government's job. So, if you want to live 
uh, in fear of the government, violate the law. If you want to live without fear and at peace, obey it. Do what it says. Uh, you want to fear if you're a criminal because God has given them the sword for a reason. And God has entrusted them with the power to come after you uh, in a dispassionate way. Uh, that it takes it out of the realm of vengeance and moves it into the realm of justice. That they are enacting what is right on behalf of the larger society. Uh, and they are God's intermediary. So, uh, so that's, that's government's proper role. It comes from God, and its role is to punish evil men and women and to protect those who do what is right. That's, that's its job. Now, with all that in mind, how should we then live? Right? What does the Scripture say? Uh, it says here, chapter 13, beginning verse, eight, or verse 5. I've got to get glasses here one of these days. Um, Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. That's important. In other words, you obey the government not simply because if you don't, God will make sure that you incur punishment on that basis, but also for the sake of your conscience. Also because this is what is expected and required of God's children. You don't want to. You want to have a clean conscience as you stand before God that you're doing what is right. That you're not going, you know, you're not trying to to uh, kind of slide by and hope that nobody notices on some things that you know that are wrong. Because if you do, sooner or later you will probably be found out. And when you get found out, guess what it will be? It will be discrediting to the gospel and to your testimony as a believer in Christ. People do not look at folks who violate the law and think, well, there goes a fine example of Christian maturity. That is not what people think. They think they are getting what they deserve. And they are. So, how do we respond? We obey the authorities, whoever they are. The policeman, the governor, the judge, the president, whoever exercises governmental power over us. And we obey for two reasons. We obey that by doing so we avoid God's judgment on the one hand, but also because we want a clean conscience before God. Uh, that we are doing what is right, that we are living our lives as God would have us, and that we recognize that ultimately it is His rule that is coming in over us, not whoever happens to run the government at the moment. And in addition, according to the Scriptures here, look at this, this is important, we pay our taxes. All of our taxes. Everything that we owe. I don't believe it's patriotic or good or right or Christian to pay more than you owe. But you pay what you owe. Paid all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Why do we do that? Because those fees 
whatever they are, taxes or fees or revenue or whatever, you know, uh, is being charged us by our government is according to, according to God here. Because these people are doing a job that God has put them in to do. And those fees and taxes support them doing their job. So you're to pay. And I'm to pay. And on top of that, you give respect and honor to people who are in authority over you. Now, let me clarify that. Okay? What if the person is a disreputable scoundrel? Do I have to give them honor and respect anyway? Yes. Yes. Because you respect not the person but the position that they hold. And the position that they hold is one that God says is worthy of our respect and honor. So, if you don't like the judge, you still refer to him as your honor. If you don't like the president, you still refer to him as Mr. President. Or Madam President. Or whatever the scenario is. If you don't like the governor, he's still governor so-and-so. Right? You still treat them with respect and honor. Because God has put them in those positions of authority. And you honor the position, not the person. Now, that's what this passage teaches us. This is not a complicated text. It's not hard to understand. It's not, uh, it's not challenging. It's not difficult. When you're reading this, you, you know exactly what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to obey the laws. All of them. All of them. Including the speed laws. <laughs> right? The speed laws count. Right? They say the last portion of a man to be fully converted to following Jesus is his right foot. <laughs> right? That's probably true. Um, we're supposed to obey the tax laws. We're supposed to obey even the petty regulations. The ones that no one will know if we comply or not. I remember... Uh, being on a hunting trip with a friend and um, we, were, we were shooting squirrels and uh, I like to shoot squirrels I like to eat squirrels and you may find that weird but it's okay one day you'll arrive at maturity but, <laughs> but anyway seriously uh, we had a um, we were having fun doing this and we saw one run into a squirrel nest you know, they, they build these leafy nests up in the trees and so forth. And, and uh, this fellow I was hunting with said, why don't we just you know, shoot up into the nest and try and run him out of there? And I said, well, first of all, there's two reasons why not to do that. One, you might shoot up into the nest and kill him in there. And then we don't get him. And second of all, it's illegal. The law says you can't do that. It's like, well, what does that matter? It's just the two of us that are out here. 
I'm like, it is not just the two of us that are out here. It is me, and it is you, and it is the Lord. And therefore, we get them legal, or we don't get them. Amen? And so even when it's just you and the Lord, even on small laws, that nobody knows except you and the Lord whether you obeyed it or not, you obey. Because God has put these people in the place and God has put that law there. Is that law maybe silly? Maybe. But you obey the law. Our lives as good citizens bring credit to the God who saved us. And we are to be distinct from the world. Remember chapter 12 verse 1. I urge you therefore brethren by the mercies of God... In view of God's mercy, in view of what God has done for you, present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. Do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we don't live like everybody else does. We don't do like everybody else does. Even if everybody else violates the law in a particular way and it's regarded as no big deal, we obey the law. We respect those in authority over us. Even the ones that we don't like. You know, I'm 44 years old. I've had a number of people ruling over me that I don't like. And I'm kind of of the opinion, we throw them all out and start over every year. <laughs> right? Um, I, I think they're all bums. But the reality is, is that God has put them in place. God has put them in place. And He has put them in place with a purpose. And He has given us instruction to obey and to respect the people who hold those positions and the laws that are enacted for our society. It's a simple text. It's not hard to understand. Uh, but there are some hard questions. And I want to get into those here before we wrap this up. Um, do you, first of all, this is the most important one. Do you have to obey the law whenever it conflicts directly with what God has told you to do? Let me give you the short answer. No. You don't. Uh, let me give you a short, slightly longer answer. Uh, there are three scriptural examples that we get of people who were God's people who refused to obey the law. Uh, the first one is Exodus chapter 1, where Pharaoh gives an order as the people of Israel are beginning to multiply in the land of Egypt and they're beginning to outnumber the Egyptians. The Egyptians start to get worried about that, that they're going to have a slave revolt and overthrow them. And so Pharaoh says, I've got a brilliant idea. What we'll do is we will go through and we will kill all of the Hebrew babies that are, that are born. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll cut it off in the birth room. And I'll tell the Hebrew midwives that if there's a boy baby born, they're to kill it right there on the birth stool. But if it's a girl, you can let it live. What do the Hebrew midwives do? They don't do it. In fact, when Pharaoh calls them on the carpet later, they say, well, you know, the Hebrew women, they're fairly vigorous. They give birth before we even get there. 
<laughs> okay, was that true? I have no idea. But regardless, God honored their refusal to obey what, what Pharaoh had told them to do. It says he gave them families of their own and he honored them for refusing to do what was wrong, though the king had commanded. You get another example in the book of Daniel. You know, Daniel and his three friends are part of a group that gets taken into exile. They're probably castrated on, at the beginning of the trip and made eunuchs in the kingdom of Babylon. And they're given new names about Babylonian gods. And they are given new clothes to wear. And then they say, then the king says, you're going to eat what I set before you. What does Daniel and his friends say? No, we're not. Because they knew that God's law said, you can give me a different name. You can give me different clothes. You can, uh, you can, you can take me to a new place. You can even harm me physically. But what you cannot do is cause me to violate what God has commanded. And God had commanded those people to eat a certain way, and the Babylonian diet was nothing like that. And Daniel and his friends, what they did was they were very wise, and they sought an accommodation, and they said, well, I tell you what, how about this? How about we just eat the things we can eat from your diet? Uh, just the vegetables. We can eat that. That's no problem. Uh, and, uh, and give us two weeks of just doing that. And if it's a problem, we'll eat whatever. But we think God will bless us in, in doing what he said. And the guy who was supervising him says, okay, we'll try that. And after two weeks, they looked healthier and better than everybody who was eating the king's food. And so they were allowed to continue. Then you get another example in, in the book of Acts where Peter and John go about preaching the gospel, the good news about Jesus, and the authorities call them on that carpet, and they say, don't preach in Jesus' name anymore. And if you do, you'll regret it. Well, they do. They said, the heck you say. And they went out, and they, <laughs> they preached Jesus anyway. And then what happened? They got arrested, they got brought before the authorities, and the authorities told them, I seem to remember telling you not to preach in Jesus' name anymore, and yet here you are preaching. What about it? They said, well, we have to obey God rather than men. And then the authorities turned them over to the magistrate who beat them. And then they went out rejoicing to be counted worthy to suffer for the sake of Jesus. When you... If, if, here's the deal, if the law directly contradicts what God has said, you have a responsibility not to obey it. If the SS comes to your house and says, do you have any Jews? And you are hiding some in your attic, you do not say, well, yes, as a matter of fact, we're hiding some in the attic right now. Okay, you say, nope, don't know anything about that, right? And hope they pass by. And if they don't, and they put you on the train, you go rejoicing that you did what was right before the Lord. You don't violate 
what God's law has said, but because they are in power, you submit to whatever punishment gets meted out to you. You do it knowing there's probably going to be consequences for violating the law. Just as Peter and John knew there were going to be consequences for doing differently than the Sanhedrin had told them. But they said, the consequences of doing what is right are preferable to the consequences of doing what is wrong and being displeasing to God. We have to obey God rather than men. It was not a cost-free thing. They did what was right in the sight of God. Daniel and his three friends did, it, did that another time, remember? They went into the fire rather than obey the king's command and bow down before the idol that he had set up. We'll obey as far as we can. But where your word or your law conflicts with what God has said, I won't do it. And if you punish me, I'll take my licks. How about if the government uses your tax money to do wicked things? Do you pay your taxes? Yes. Short answer, yes. Because guess what? Human government is always, always, always occupied by sinners. And so by nature... Some of the things that they use tax money to do are going to be wicked. Is it right to protest? Absolutely. Is it right to campaign for a change in the law such that you don't have to pay for those things? Yes. But when the bill comes due, you pay your taxes. And you submit. And you, in fact, joyfully pay your taxes and joyfully give respect and honor to even to wicked men and women because ultimately they are temporary and God is king. Here's the third question. What if government is not just bad? What if it's not just bad, but what if it's actually evil and persecuting God's people? There's a story this week. Large church in China had a cross on top. 50,000 people were attending this church at various points. And it's in a poor community. It was built entirely on the donations of relatively poor people. This week, the Chinese government came in and dynamited this place because it had supposedly been built in secret. I don't know how you build a church building um, that's obviously a church building big enough to house 50,000 people and this is all like done under the radar. <laughs> right? With no knowledge from anybody <laughs> anywhere around. We, we, well, I don't know what's going up over there. Some big building, right? And it had been up for a few years. And all these people coming in to worship every week. It's a wicked government. Persecuting God's people. What do you do then? The answer is you obey where you can. 
God told Jeremiah, you willingly go to Babylon. He told the people, when you get to Babylon, you be a blessing there. And you uh, live your life in exile to be a blessing to the Babylonians among whom you live. Even though the Babylonians had done unspeakable evil to them. When the Babylonians came in, they conquered the whole nation. They leveled the temple to the ground. They raped the women. They killed many of the children. And they hauled those who survived off into slavery and exile. And God said, make your life there. And you be a blessing to the people among whom you live. For it's in its welfare shall be your welfare. Seek the welfare of the city into which I have sent you as exiles. You go be a blessing to those folks. And the idea is, is that you do that in hopes of shining a light that these people, these wicked folks, might repent and turn to God on be, uh, as a result of your testimony to them, which is so different from everybody else that they encounter. There's, there's story after story from the Roman Empire, from places uh, more recent to our time, uh, of, of in fact, the very people who put Christians to death being the people who next come to Christ. And in fact, I think probably what's going to have to happen in many cases for the Islamic world to be reached is for a whole bunch of Christians to be willing to go there and to proclaim Christ even though it violates the law and to die as a result. You obey where you can, even in the teeth of a wicked government even in the teeth of a government that, that persecutes you and tries to destroy you, you obey as much as you can. Every law that is, is able to be kept, you keep. And remember this too, that God is still sovereign. God is still sovereign. And He is therefore fully capable of taking down any government he wants to, and he can do it quick. Daniel chapter 2, verse 12 says, or 21 says, um, that God sets up kings and he takes them down whenever he wants. And so, just to give you an example the Babylonian Empire was once one of the greatest empires in the world, it, it expanded across much of the Middle East. It was huge. It was the biggest empire in the world at its time and the biggest one that had ever existed up to that time. And one night, the Babylonian king is having a party in his house and he brings out some of the temple vessels from the temple in Jerusalem to celebrate his greatness and the greatness of his nation in triumphing over this tiny little people over on the Mediterranean Sea. And he says, see, the god Marduk and... The gods of, of, uh, the gods of wood and of stone that I bow down to must be greater than Yahweh, the God of Israel, because otherwise these people would not be here under my thumb. And then the hand of God appeared on the wall in his banquet hall and wrote, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. 
And he brings in Daniel to tell him what it means. And he says, you have been weighed in God's scales and you have come up short. And therefore, your kingdom will be taken from you. And that very night, he lost his life and his empire in one night. Can God get rid of wicked rulers, wicked kingdoms, wicked empires whenever he wants? Son, he can get rid of you now. (laughs) Okay, because God is sovereign still. So you have a good government? Great. Praise God that they uphold what is right and punish evil. You have a bad government? I'm sorry. But God is still sovereign. God is still sovereign. And we still obey, and we still give respect, and we still do what is right in the sight of all men that they might turn to the Savior whom we follow. And we do this because we are confident that none of the kingdoms of this world are going to last. None of them are going to last. The Caesars are nothing more than a National Geographic special. They lasted for a thousand years. Actually, 1,400 years there was a Roman Empire. 1,400. Hundred years. There was a Roman Empire. Now, now most of you would struggle to locate most of the places that existed on a map, and it's just ruins and old roads. Napoleon's been dead for two hundred years. Lenin and Stalin are corpses, and everything they built is in shambles, consigned to the dust heap of history. Every kingdom built by men eventually falls. But there is a king, and Daniel knew who he was. Daniel chapter 7 tells us about the Son of Man who is to come, and his kingdom will last forever, and it will overthrow every kingdom of this world until, as Isaiah said, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our God. And so we don't worry about it. Now, I've had to learn over the last couple years here, you know, I, I, I can get easily invested in politics and in issues of the day and in who's, you know, who's up and who's down in the polls and all the rest of that kind of thing. We've got to remember God is not running for God. He's not. And He doesn't need our vote. And at the end of the day, He will ultimately reign. And all of the stuff that we go through, whether good or bad, is just temporary. Because Christ will reign as King over all the kingdoms of this world one day. But until He comes, we obey whatever government we're under. We give respect to whatever rulers we have. And we in so doing, live as good citizens that we might bring other people to Christ. Amen? All right. Well, let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, this is a hard text for me. I don't like authority. I don't like people ruling over me. 
I confess I have drunk deeply of James Madison and government governing best that governs least and not as deeply of your word that the scriptures tell us that ultimately these are the men and women that you have put in places of authority either for our discipline or for our blessing. And that they are your agents uh, uh, restraining evil and upholding what is good in the world. Father, help us to, uh, to be joyful when it comes to our government. To, uh, to do what is right because we want to be pleasing to you. And not to complain and to grumble against the authorities that you've given to us. But to, but to see them, whoever they are, as merely tools in your hand. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.